0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mating Matters, the podcast that looks at human behavior through a very sexy lens. I'm Dr. Wendy Walsh. Let's face it, we're wired to reproduce. So powerful is this instinct that it has secretly embedded itself in nearly every human behavior. Mating Matters podcast helps you understand yourself a little better. Human mating strategy plays out everywhere. Mating matters. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Rock. Reds win. Reds win 12-4. Reds win. I'll now, tell you what.
2: The bats awoke, right? That's good. Yeah. Well,
1: what's sad is the pitchers have gone to sleep. After this weekend, <laughs> and the Reds are up 7-1, to one, I'm going, oh, well. Giants got this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's kind of eight to nothing, and what was it? And a ten to three, I believe, on Friday night, and they lose the game. Good lord,
2: man! Well, even today was it? Uh, Sandoval hit that three yeah, run home right. right after Marty said. It. I mean, it clears as day goes, and uh, with the way things are going here, you just know that the you know the you know the I forget how he worded it exactly, but uh, and then well, it wasn't two seconds later. Bam! I was run.
1: I was watching it on TV, and I forget if it was Brennaman or Welsh, but. He was pitching to Sandoval, and he's throwing him high fastballs right over the middle. And he goes, you know, he can't hit that ball. But man, he gets it down lower than that, and he's going to square it up. I mean, I think it was the next pitch. Booze. gone.
2: <laughs> I tell you what, you're right. The Reds at bats have 15 home runs in this series, and it's a That's shame crazy. Reds split this series, and they should have won all four. Should have been a they four game they sweep. Swept, yep. In again, um, you know, what uh, 11 runs, 12 runs, five runs, and 12 runs. Uh, in the four-game series, um, I stole this uh, stat here, Ed, shamelessly off of Lance McAllister's Twitter. 30 runs in the last 29 innings for uh, your Cincinnati Reds. So uh, things are looking good. Now if we can just put everything together for like a consistent time frame yep. here, that'd be fantastic. How many hit-by-pitches today? There was four in one inning. What, <laughs> what happened to the good lot. old days? Nobody charged either. What the I, that's what I'm saying. On?
1: After the second guy, somebody would, I mean, back in the day, there would have been big clearing. Down. There would have been stands clearing
2: brawl. I mean,
1: I couldn't believe it. Like, he just hit another guy.
2: Yeah. And then enough. the next inning, I, I forget who got hit. They're, they they frowned upon that kind of activity, Ed. When, well, when did, did, you, kids see, play or did you see Votto's? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. That was a little cheap, if you yeah, ask he me. got it right now. Joey, we, we love yeah. you, but it looks like he just kind of went, oh, ouch, oh, that hurt. Yeah. Oh, well. So they're off to Oakland now.
2: How about Nick Senzel?
1: Big right? time, man.
2: Yep. The, uh, I have the stat here. Um, so he is four for 17 since coming up. Three home runs, 30 RBIs. If he could get a home run while someone was on base, would be great. But of course, he leads off. So, um, yeah, he's been fantastic. And, and the deal with him, if I remember when he got, uh, selected back in 2016, it was like he's got the, you know the best pure hitter in the draft, great eye, oh, okay. but like a contact hitter. And now here he is, and I'm sure this will kind of fade away a little bit. But his brief time in the major leagues, three bombs already. It's pretty good. He got a, a two thirty five average, not not, not too shabby.
1: Well, you know if. If he can just do this a little while longer, it's fun to watch. Well, and you but know, I agree yeah. with you; it is going to go away sooner or later.
2: And that inevitably, people are going to, you know, are already, I'm sure, asking the question: Well, what would have happened if we had brought Senzo right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season? And look, we know the deal with that. We know the service time issue is a real thing. Every club does it. It's just part of the. It's just part of the deal. Okay, but also there's, a, a, I think, an even larger factor in there as well is he's not a, an experienced center fielder. You don't want to throw a guy out to the wolves. You, you see, you know, if guys get thrown out there when they're too soon, too early, and then they go in a big slump, does it affect them mentally? Do they ever come back from it? Either way, it, they they brought him up, and uh, they've, been, they've been hot, man. Reds' bats have been really hot since he's been up. Okay, so coming up
1: next, after we have the news right now, We're going to have a horse racing expert on, once and for all, to tell us, was that call valid on Saturday? Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I was apoplectic. I I didn't see it. I I I was at my buddy's house. I had walked outside with a couple of guys. Me and McConnell and another guy walked outside. We're just sitting there standing around chit-chatting. And somebody came out and said, they just changed the order of the horses.
2: I'm like, they did what? Well, let me just say, it didn't help that I had between one and 17. four Budweiser's <laughs> in me at the time. I I, still, I have not been that upset about an outcome of a sporting event since the Bengals' 2016 playoff loss to the Steelers. The point where I was, like, viscerally upset at that. And I went off on Twitter, and we'll see if uh, John Englehart agrees with that I think that uh, maximum security got robbed.
1: Executive Director of the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners, John Englehart, joins us next, but now the news, 700 WLW. 002. WeilerDirect.com. All right, once and for all, we're going to revisit Saturday. That's the end of the story. Here on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline, the Executive Director of the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners, John Engelhart. Johnny, how are you?
3: I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. I mean Saturday was probably the worst derby I've ever been at for a lot of different reasons, uh but nonetheless it's a part of history. I like to be there as often as I can uh but i'm I'm doing okay now, but you know I'm just re- reading different things, and God, I've probably seen the race a hundred times, and uh there's a lot of views of it out there that clarify the picture
2: so so John, I was telling Ed earlier i mean when the when the ra- when the result happened, I was out of my mind i was apoplectic i thought maximum security got screwed and you know the, the whole deal it's you know my, my point was how does a bunch of people in an air-conditioned room dry in suits deter, you know make that sort of ruling on a track that's like muddier than hell rainy there's 19 horses in the field it's kind of a mass chaos situation what did you think of the ruling
3: well, first of all, I'll tell you about the people up there. Uh, the two of them are personal friends of mine. Uh, Barbara Borden, who's the chief state steward. I mean, uh, her brother was a jockey. Uh, her sister, Deb, wrote for the Daily Racing Forum, and she has spent decades on the track as a racing official in various degrees. Tyler Pickelsheimer, one of the other uh, stewards who used to be our racing secretary over at Belterra. Uh, his father was a long-time steward, and he's still in a Kentucky racing official. Uh, Tyler's worked in racing office for decades, so, uh, you know, he tattooed horses, lips, and so he's been around the game. So th- these aren't people that just, you know, were appointed by the governor or something. They, <laughs> they, you know, they worked their way up there, so they know what they're looking at. And, right. you know, I, I think the bottom line is they made the right call, but they used the wrong process. And that's why a lot of people were in shock when it came out. I don't think anybody knows that uh, uh, John Court claimed a foul, too. All you heard w- was the foul was uh, uh, the country house against mass- maximum security. So when you're watching the replay, it's, it's natural that that's where your eye's going to go, and you're going to go, wait, he was, you know, four lanes away from it. This. this never happened. This never happened. This never happened. Well, all of a sudden, if you start looking at uh, – long-range toddy and war of will close changes the whole story Now i did find one video clip that shows war of wills when and and i do believe he probably got spooked by the crowd uh maximum security on the lead i mean they're 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 never going to see a crowd that big unless somebody's going for the triple crown and he's not they already said um but anyhow uh, th- 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 that loud crowd noise startles a horse. You know, he's in a different environment. And so he, he, he moved out. Now it's the jockey's job to try to keep a straight line. But if you look at some of the video replays, you'll see that he really swings out. Now, but the, the, the main point I want to get back to and the thing that was the light bulb that went off in my head is you can see War of Will's left foreleg go between the two hind legs of maximum security when he came out and went wide. I mean, we avoided the most (laughs) devastating, tragic event racing could ever have. Because these horses were all up on the lead, and there were like 16 horses behind them. and so Will, you know, Tyler Gafleone, he's a younger rider, he, you know, he had to react because if you watch the Kentucky Oaks, you saw horses clip heels out of the gate, and the horse went down. Luckily, got up, didn't get hurt, neither did the jockey, but that's what happens when you're too close to horses and your front legs clip their back feet. So he had to get that horse out of there, and when he... Pull this horse out. I mean, everybody's trying to save ground. He knocks, uh, long range toddy kind of sideways, who, who then eventually kind of spooks country house out even wide. So I'm sure the rider of country house who claimed foul, Folly and Pratt, he knew something happened, but you know, he, he's, he's, he's just filing an objection, but it's a split second thing and you don't know. Now, Johnny, uh, I talked with him for a half an hour on the, on the uh, phone today and, um, you know, he just said that uh when you get knocked off stride like that in that part of the race, there's just no time to, let's say, restart your engine. You know, when, when a horse all of a sudden has to gather himself up and take away all of his momentum, and there's only a quarter mile left in the race, he said, I knew we had no shot, so I wasn't going to, you know, ab- abuse the horse. And uh so I I think it was the right call, but I think – the announcer or the stewards should have had the announcer say, ladies and gentlemen, we also have another claim of foul by John Court on long range toddy. And it's like, oh, because now you'd start to look at the race differently. You wouldn't just look at Country House who appeared nowhere near Maximum Security. Now, do I think Maximum Security was the best race, uh, best horse in the race, Rocky? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he kind of rebroke broke after the, the horses came to him in the stretch. Code of Honor actually took the lead briefly uh, at the mile marker, and then maximum security fought back. So uh, there's amazing how many views are out there. And the other thing John told me is, and I found this very interesting, that Barbara Borden, the chief steward, came down to the jocks room prior to the race and said, gentlemen, this is America's most important horse race. You are guarding the integrity of the sport. This is history. Make sure nobody does anything stupid out there. Don't put anybody in harm's race. Ride your horse and nobody else. But it's very important that no mistakes be made this race. Uh, and, I, you know, I wasn't in the room, but that's basically what John told me, Barbara Borden said, "It's like, hey, guys, well, this is the big one. Let's be careful.
1: So, John, you said yourself the you, the process was wrong. Explain
3: well, um, the inquiry sign never went up, and that, is, that goes up by the stewards. So, in other words, at least you go, aha, it's right. not just a Jackie's claim of foul. The stewards are looking at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I said that it should have been announced that John
4: Court With the Lucky land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: also claimed foul so i think all of a sudden you get a little bit of a perspective like ah something's going on here because what i see with my naked eye doesn't appear that anything happened uh so the, i i believe to answer your question eddie i think they really needed to click that inquiry light up gotcha. and uh you know pretty much uh let, let let the let the public know what's what's going on um so, uh,
1: you want to get that, John? No, I don't. <laughs> I want
3: to turn the damn thing off. I'm reaching over here trying to, you know, I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. And They're asking me to do this and look at the chart of a, a 19-horse field. But uh, 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 where was I, Eddie? What, what was your question? Uh, well, well, you let, let, let me ask you this, yeah.
2: John. So uh, here's let me, here's the case I, I'm making here is, you know, first, I mean, maximum security other than that brief one part it's a part of time there at the at the 1 mile marker he was in the, he was in the lead the entire time He didn't even have any mud on him he would have won the race had he not you know gone out those couple lanes the horses that were affected war of will finished 7th uh, body express finished 13th long range Talia finished 16th they, they they had they weren't even in the in the field country house wasn't affected, and he's the winner. I, I all those things together, I just go, okay, maybe there was an infraction, but like in the football world, John, like you could call fouls on a lot of different things, but usually the thing you go back to is how egregious was it? If you know a hundred people in a bar say that looked like pass interference, okay, that's probably a time to throw the flag. But when you start slowing down things and zooming in, I, with all those things said, again, he was in the he was winning start to finish. The other horses weren't even in the field. I just feel like it's a hard thing to a hard sell to, to take the, the win away from him there. I hear what you're saying, but in the rules of racing, you
3: can't leave your lane and obstruct another runner. And he quite visibly did that. And, again, go back. There's a lot of different angles. I mean, he really comes wide off that. And you see the horse turn his head right, you know? So... It happens. Horses get spooked, but, you know, it could happen at River Downs or any place. You know, a horse gets spooked, you come over, you bother another horse, it's your bad. And the other mm-hmm. thing is then you have to go behind whatever horse you interfered with. So that's why he got placed behind long-range toddy, because most people are looking at the board for their trifecta or their superfecta and going, What? They moved him down past the 5 post and you know again it's the rules of racing you can't leave your lane and if you do and you impede another horse you're in violation.
1: So John you were there what was the atmosphere like in the crowd when that
3: happened? Very strained. Very weird, because don't forget that Maximum Security was the second favorite in there. So a lot of people had action on this horse. And meanwhile, all of the jockeys that were involved with this are being surrounded by, you know, the media, and each one of them has to take a turn uh, going into the booth and talking personally to the stewards as they get questioned about their ride and give their opinion. So it was really kind of an eerie quiet, and after about, I don't know, 18 minutes, I'm on the track, you know, taking photos. And I said, well, I'm going back to the press room. And it was shortly after I got back to the press room when everybody went, what? You know? (laughs) Again, you know, Rocky, to the naked eye, especially when you're comparing them to country house, it looks like no harm, no foul. But let's face it, uh, pick your sport. If you knock a guy out of bounds... Um, and then continue on and, you know, you still score the basket, that doesn't mean that you earned that basket. Because you, those three horses you named where they finished, they finished there because of the incident. And I will tell you this, next time he goes to post, you bet war or will, because he was the best-looking horse in the field.
2: So, right. so, so, basically, what you're saying, John, is, I mean, to the to the average person, most of us don't know much about horse racing. It, it didn't look look egregious, but to a horse person like yourself, you would consider that an egregious foul.
3: Yes, especially okay. after talking to John Court today, and he said it really could have been bad. He said, "Look how close Injuries, they are." Twelve hundred yeah. pound animals going yeah. thirty plus miles an hour, um, and he said it was really close. I mean, he got knocked sideways. What if his horse, he got his feet tangled up. And don't forget, these guys were all on the front. These were these were the top four horses on the lead, you know? Um, and it's just, like I said, it's hard to get your momentum again. So uh, whether or not where they finished I don't think uh, indicates their talent or whether or not they would have had a shot. I do think it was maximum securities day. I just wish that Luis Saez could have kept him straight.
1: All right. With that, Johnny, we'll let you go. Thanks so much, buddy. Anytime, guys. See Thanks, in. John. John uh, Englehart. Is clarified? I don't know. It clarifies it, but I don't well, accept it. I don't accept one, it. I've heard more than one person saying this line because, you know, like I'm with you. I watched it. I'm like, I didn't see
0: What I mean, the I can't is like, there?
2: I, If it were a race car, it's one thing. Like, the driver is 100% in control of, of that race car, right? The horse is a, a living, breathing thing. So if it gets spooked, and like you said, it turns its head to kind of, you know, again, there's chaos, there's mud flipping up oh, in yeah, everyone's absolutely. eyes, there's a, rain, there's all this sort of stuff. And again, he's winning the race from start to end. The other horses, the horse that was, you know, that were affected weren't even in the, you know, the top eight, or assuming in the top six. And and the, and the guy, that, and the horse that wins the race wasn't even affected. I, I just, I don't know, I don't like it. I don't like it.
1: What if you're on? Try to imagine some of the people who are like, yeah, on their way to the uh, to the ticket booth to claim their winner, and not so quick.
2: Or what about the people that threw their tickets down oh, in I disgust? Right. And, I yeah. and then, oh wait a minute, where's that? Where's that ticket that's on the <laughs> right. ground here somewhere in, the, in this water? Bottle. Among the
1: ten thousands other right. loser tickets, right? Oh, uh, Robbie, what's going on with you, buddy?
2: How do you get that money back if you already claimed it? I don't think. Uh... Oh, I don't know how that works. I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Topic for another
1: show. That, oh, that uh, A buddy of mine was at the track and he knows nothing about horses. And a, a horse went down out there. And unfortunately, they had to put the horse down
0: Ugh.
1: on the track. And um, he goes, well, I bet on that horse. And he's dead. Do I get my money back? <laughs> I was like, no, buddy. He came in last. So. Return this ticket. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get don't anything for that. think wow. so, yes. Yeah.
0: From the UC Health Traffic Center at UC Health. The Milford.
1: Hey, and Rocky closing out our discussion about the Derby and what happened on Saturday. Wanted to get to Frank right quick. Hey, Frank, thanks for holding, buddy. Your thoughts?
6: So, like, when, when the horse was at the top of the stretch making the turn, the far turn, the horse started to drift. Mm-hmm. But the jockey didn't do anything to prevent him from drifting further. Like, a lot of times when they do that, the jockey will take the stick and they'll, like, show the horse the stick on the side of their head
4: mm-hmm. to keep
6: them from drifting any out, any farther out. He didn't do anything. He just let him drift.
1: And you know what, Frank? I heard somebody else on a, on a national talk show uh, today uh, suggest the same thing, that the jockey didn't handle it very well.
2: Well,
6: I think the jockey was looking for better footing, trying to get off the rail, and he let the horse drift.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I, I think it's, it's easy to, you know, Monday morning quarterback. That's tough with all in, the mud uh, fling and all these horses. A, you're you know, going down the stretch. You're getting ready to win the derby, and the horse does something you're not really expecting, and I don't think it lasted all that long.
1: 150,000 I mean. people screaming at you, mud and guts and poop all over the place. It couldn't have been easy.
2: Apparently a lawsuit has been filed or they're Jeez, going to the oh, uh, maximum security that's donors. all horse
1: racing needs really is this kind of thing
2: exactly for, for the, 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 for the only race
1: needs. really in the world that especially people in the united states give it this is on the
2: on one that. like the one time a year where everyone's Correct. fixated on it and then yeah no yeah. you're right you're right coming up
1: maybe you heard maybe it didn't that today's reds game was delayed by Bees. It
2: was amazing, too, because, like, <laughs> apparently the players warmed up and everything was fine, and literally just as they're getting ready to take the field, out of nowhere, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of bees, and it delayed the game for about 15 minutes.
1: Keeper who took care of the situation, but that's after the news right now. News Radio 700-
0: 700 right, WLW.
1: So, if you were listening or watching the game today, you know
2: about the delay in the start of the game. Bees, lots of them, Ed, and they seem to come like seemingly came out of nowhere. Apparently, the players warmed up; everything was great, and obviously, they played the game last you know last night. Nothing, and then yeah. all of a sudden, tens, if not hundreds of thousands. these least,
1: well, you sent me. A, Rock sent me a text about it, and I thought he was kidding. I'm like, what? I didn't <laughs> have the game on yet because it was only like, shoot, it was supposed to have started like ten minutes ago. I just didn't, didn't have it on yet. And uh, I went down and flipped it on, and, and sure as a hell, they were out there, bees everywhere.
2: I mean, there's a point where, like, are, are they going to play this game? Like, what, what happens if they don't go away? It was a little dicey there for a second.
1: But they got rid of them, uh, you know, like lickety-split, and here is the guy who did it on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline, the bee whisperer. Dirk Morgan, how are you, man?
4: <laughs>
7: uh, I'm doing good. Um uh-huh. Wow, what a day! You go down to see a ball game, and uh, all of a sudden it's like, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a beekeeper oh, in the house? And so
1: you were there, huh? Already? I
7: I, I actually uh, was invited to the to the owner suite with uh, Bob Castellini Jr. And oh, wow. as I walked out to 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 take a look at my vista overlooking home plate, I saw nothing but thousands and thousands of bees. And my wife Lori and I and and uh, and I turned around and I said Bob you've got a swarm of bees here and, and he's like is that what that is I'm like <laughs> yeah uh, you know <laughs> they're they're gonna you know find a place to to, to settle down here and they need to be uh, put you know captured and and we need to find a home for them and uh, so I said get me a box and uh, uh, you know I'm gonna need a box I'm gonna need some tape and and I hurried down to where I saw him at the um, at the lower level, start to form a ball around the base of a a chair in a in a handicap area, and so we kind of cordoned off the area and and let them uh, congregate. And I estimate there's fifty to seventy five thousand bees. Jeez. Uh, it was it was amazing. It it was uh, to see a bee swarm. They're very docile, and I'm glad that all the fans you know got to see that because. You know, it'll probably, in reality, save millions of bees across the country when they hear this story. And maybe somebody will think twice before they spray them or, you know, call a, uh, you know, somebody to exterminate them. Um But the game went on, the Reds won, it was the best B ball game I ever saw. (laughs) Nice. I mean,
2: and the jokes have been just endless. But, but Derek, explain to us look, they played the game last night, there was no sight of bees. So, what happened in the last, whatever, 12 hours where 75,000 bees descend upon Great American Ballpark?
7: Well, I'm pretty sure they were probably my bees from my apiary, and they followed me down I <laughs> 71. <days ago>. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh,
6: you
0: know, I- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: As much as we want to think we we live detached from nature in the middle of this metropolitan area, um, there's parks, there's areas. People keep bees on top of some of the buildings. And uh, the bees, when they swarm, it's the way they, they multiply and they propagate. If you think of a colony of bees that's dividing in half, they create a new queen, and the, the old queen takes off with about half of the honeybees, and they form a ball like they did at the uh, ball game, and basically uh, send out scouts to find a new home. And when they do, the scouts come back, tell the queen, hey, we found a hollow tree or we found, a, you know, the trunk of a car or somebody's house. Or a batting cage. Or a batting cage. But, I, I mean, it was just like I couldn't believe it as I walked out, you know, through the doors and, and, and to the seating. I'm standing in the middle of these bees as they're flying all around me. And uh, and I just turned to Mr. Castellani. I said, you did this just for me, did you? This is my perfect day. I mean, I'm,
2: I'm laughing because essentially what happened to you is, is the version of my dream, which is I'm at a Metallica concert, right? And oh, Lars geez. Ulrich's walking up the steps to begin the set. He falls down, breaks both wrists. And they're like, is anybody in here play drums and know our songs? And I throw off the devil horns and I come on stage. That's what happened to you. You happen to be in the right place at the right time. This is an amazing story. You know, I had no, had no suit, had
7: no gloves or anything like that. Um, but knowing, knowing the nature of bees when they swarm, that the last thing they want is any kind of conflict, they're not really protecting a hive because they have no young with them. Uh, you know, they, uh, they were very uh, very docile, and we just wow. gave, them a, gave them a box to go into. I took picked up the chair and shook it in the box, and uh, I'm glad that uh, everybody could continue to play ball and that the Reds did so well. Hopefully we look back at the end of the season and say, the red, you know, whole season was turned around by, you know, the B- B-Ball game. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it's just kind of a, a warm, buzzy feeling everybody has. <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it.
0: I,
1: I was amazed at how quickly you contained the situation. Because I'm, I'm not kidding you, when Rocky first sent me the text, and I'm thinking, ah, he's full of it. And I put it on. I'm like, holy God, this is going to take a while. And, uh, well, and you took care of it. I don't think that delay was more than 15 minutes, was it?
7: Well, you know, and, and I can't take all the credit for that. Uh, you know, the bees will only fly around for so long until the scouts say, this is where we're going to set down, and, uh, and, and that's what they did. There was another gentleman that came from a, an opposite direction from behind uh, first base. Uh, he was from uh, the Montgomery area, and he, he had been a beekeeper, he said, for about 40 years. His name is John, and we both kind of met there with boxes. And I said, "Well, I've been told, you know, that to deal with these bees, you know, by the ownership." And and I said, "But I'll, you know, we'll rescue them. I'll, I'll let you have them, and because uh, I'm going to watch the rest of the game here. I got, you know, a suite of, you know what's the Reds. in? how go. often do I get that? Uh, but uh, you know, just." You know, good for the bees, and, and uh, great that people could see, you know, uh, a happy ending to the, to the whole story and to the game as well. I mean, it, it was fun. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that I was there, why I was there. You know, when that happened, it was so serendipitous. You know, there's just moments in your life when something like that happens. And uh, wow. you got to be ready for him.
1: <laughs> your story is all the buzz, Dirk.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. That was a stinger.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, man. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Dirk Morgan, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much.
7: All right, all right. Save the bee. Support your local honey. And there you we go. Are.
1: Thanks, yeah. Dirk. That is funny. I mean, you with your Metallica thing. I mean, it's
2: exactly what happened. I mean, there, what are the chances that the bee guy, the. Self-proclaimed bee whisperer happens to be at a day Reds game. when a bunch. Of, I mean, you can't make that hanging, up. Hanging out with the owners, son. Hanging out with the owner. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Yeah.
1: How about your stories, of man versus varmint? What do you think?
2: Let's <laughs> bring it, everybody. Bring it. Everybody Has said to. it.
1: words You're squaring off with a raccoon, a squirrel, or whatever kind of varmint you mixed it up with. Seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred, the the big one, pound 700 on AT&T. Ah, but now, Rob, what's going on with you? From the UC Health Traffic Center at UC Health, we're
2: the authors of Medical Breakthroughs and the Specialists of Care. Still have that left lane block, North 75 at Kyle's, and it's got you crowded back to Burlington. Heavy traffic on the highways right now. North 75, you're on and off the brakes. Mitchell to Union Center, especially in northern Kentucky. You're very heavy from uh, Mineola Pike over to the Coney Bridge eastbound on 275. Then South 471, very heavy from the Big Mac down to 275. North 71, a crowd between Martin Luther King and Pfeiffer. I'm Rob Williams, News Radio
4: 700com
1: Eddie and Rocky, taking your man versus varmint story, seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred the big one, pound the 700 on AT&T after the epic battle of the bees today at the stadium.
2: 75,000.
1: That's crazy, man. Estimate. They just come out of nowhere.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Just like they they weren't hiding there all night or anything. Boom. Just showed up.
1: Hey, Greg, what's going on with you? What's your man versus bee story? Yo. Yo, Greg.
6: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Well, I was hiking in Glacier National Park, did a hike to Two Medicine Lake. It's a really tough hike. It's five miles straight up a mountain And uh, with my father-in-law and my wife. And we get up there. It took us five hours to get to the top. So we get up there, and we're sitting on a rock looking at the lake. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Having some trail mix. And, you know, you don't feed wild animals, you know, food. So out of the woods comes racing this friggin' Berman, and he stops right at my feet. Uh, what, no, I, wait a what? minute! What was he? He was a he was a chipmunk.
2: Oh.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he stops right at my feet. I take my my uh, trail mix and I put it in my pack. And he looks at me like what? He <laughs> runs up my leg. I've got shorts on. He bites me in the knee and then takes off. I mean, I I, I, had, I went over to the. Uh, to the game guy I said, Hey, do I need to go ahead and be checked out? This
2: chipmunk
6: just bit me and drew blood. <laughs> wow. It's like, Hey, yeah,
0: man, share was...
2: some of that a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: It was all good. I've
1: never. That's, That's good stuff, done, Greg. Greg. Thank you.
2: I've never heard of a chipmunk biting somebody. Just ran out and went the food was away and said, Yeah, I'll get you. Right. Hey.
1: Hey, Bill, what's going on with you? Man versus varmint. What's your story?
5: Hey, um, mine is uh, kind of funny. What I had was my parents was watching this vampire movie. I think George Hamilton was the vampire. Oh, and, I remember that, yeah. Yes, and we're watching it, and all of a sudden the bat scene shows up, and the bat shows up in our living room. <laughs> and my dad was here, and speared the bat on the floor. Wow. And wow. Yes. I mean, I, I'm like, I could not believe that that happened. <laughs> you know, what we, we're sitting there watching TV, you know, we're talking what, late 70s, 80s? And I'm the one of used to have to turn the TV channels so they should watch everything. But, yeah, to see that bat on the floor, and then the cat goes after it. Oh,
2: my God. That could have been no, I was going to say that us. ain't good, yeah. yeah.
1: Hey, let's get to Dan right quick. Dan, what do you got for us, man? Talking about the uh, b-ball game today.
6: Yeah, just a little Shakespeare, you know. Uh, the question is, uh, to be or not to be.
1: That is the question, and <laughs> and thank you. I'm hey. gonna
2: throw up with all the b jokes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, Mike,
1: man versus varmint. What do you got?
6: I got a story. My son was in the service. So he's, he's like, wow, he's kind of a man's man. And he called me one time. He said, dad, I'm sitting at your house, had a pear tree in my front yard and there's a deer eating a pear. And he's like, he said, dad, I could reach out and touch it. He said, do you ever seen the powerful jaws? He's sitting there watching this thing crunching. And I said, well, get out and go in. He said, no, man, have you ever seen when animals go wild? He wouldn't leave until that, that deer left, uh, scared him to death. <laughs> I, really? I, I, well, have you ever been up close on a deer and watched its muscles while it chewed?
2: And I, I said, no, I, I have. not that's, that's that's weird. I wouldn't would be had know. strong jaws either.
1: Huh. Well, if a chipmunk can bite you and draw blood, imagine what a
2: deer could do. Yeah, but they're they're plant eater. Oh, I guess that maybe you need power. I guess you need more powerful crushing jaws to right. crush up. Yep. You know, leaves and berries or whatever. <laughs> hey,
1: Tom, what's going on with you? Talking about man versus beast. What's your story?
2: Well, when I was a
4: little kid, there was a beehive in the siding of our house, and the bees would land on the sidewalk and uh, fly off as they came out from underneath the siding. Well, one day I was bored, so I was swatting them as they would come out. Well, after a while, they stopped coming out, so I kicked the siding of the house to get more to come out. <laughs> They, they came out. Oh, they came <laughs>
2: out all right. <laughs> they did.
4: <laughs> I got stung seven times. <laughs>
2: Ooh, you're like, you didn't get worse than that.
1: No uh, yeah, yeah no doubt, man.
2: <laughs> they came out.
1: Hey, uh, Carl, what's your story, man versus varmint? What do you have?
6: Well, I was stationed in the. I was in the army stationed in Berlin before the wall came down, and uh, one of our things we used to do is run. Uh, run our PT, our physical training there, through the uh, Greenerval, the Green Forest. Uh, Well, when I was running along, I saw, and they always warned us, they have uh, what they call greeny pigs, which is basically a uh, wild boar. Uh, And they say, watch out for the greeny pigs. So I was like, okay, running along, doing doing my thing. All of a sudden, I spotted a whole family of them there. And I stopped. I'm like, okay. I saw them on one side of the trail, and then one of them started coming after me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I turned and looked. There was another one behind me, except they were the babies. So it was the mother coming to protect the babies, and oh, I would just no. come between them. No. So all I could do was turn and run, and I ran and climbed up a tree, and the, and the mother was actually up against the base of the tree that I just climbed, just climbed at this tree. Wow. So, yeah, I just barely, I barely made it. And they, they are not a fun thing to come across.
2: What did you do, just wait it out and eventually went away? Yeah, eventually it finally went away. I mean, it's like everybody, uh, I,
6: you know, you do that right before your shift starts. You, you, you do your PT right before shift. And I was a little late getting back. And everybody was like, well, I'm wondering where the heck I Did you get lost in the green? I was like, no, I had to wait for the guys to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Got tree
1: by a pig. <laughs> hey, Susan, what's your story, man versus beast?
8: Um. Yeah, we were in Michigan one year. We go fishing all the time. And we got in our cabin, and we noticed that there were these paper towels stuck in these holes, like in the corner of the cabin. And so we started pulling them out because we thought, well, this is dumb. Well, we went to bed that night, and we heard this fluttering over our heads all night. My mom was freaking out. My dad was, like, trying to walk around because it was really dark, and he was hitting his feet on the coolers and everything. Well, come to find out, they were back. Oh, man. And they would, like, swoop down really low. And my mom said, the next morning we were talking about my mom was, like, just covered up with a blanket all night. She said, she said, I wasn't going to get out of bed for anything. So <laughs> the next day, on, yeah, you know, we started sticking those paper towels back in those holes so those bats didn't come in the next night. So that worked. But that was, yeah, that was pretty scary.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Man, I don't want to mess with a bat. They're just creepy. I, I know. I'm that everyone says them. they're
2: not going to like you know. You're not going to bite you, and you turn into a vampire. But it's kind of like snakes. They're usually not going to do anything. Whether there's something kind of creepy about it, right?
1: it, it, it yeah, it, yeah, it's creepy. And we'll take your calls. We have some time seven four nine seven thousand eight hundred. The big one pound seven hundred on ATT. It is man versus varmint after the news. News radio seven
0: hundred WLW. Ford,
1: Eddie and Rocky. After the bees delayed the game, we're not lying. In case you didn't hear this, delayed the game by about what? Fifteen yeah, minutes? Yeah, 15, just eighteen
2: eight, minutes? Yeah, something officially like that, actually. According to Seg, uh, big
1: bee swarm was uh, so they had to come and collect the bees and get them out of there.
2: Pretty cool. And by the grace of God, Dirk Morgan, the Bee Whisperer, right, happened to be there and took care of the situation. And there was another guy Amazing. there too. Two, two yeah.
1: beekeepers in the same place. Who knew? well uh, we're taking your man versus critter story, 749 seven eight800 the big one, pound 700 on AT&T. Hey, Mike, you're first up. What do you got, buddy?
4: Well, ironically, I'm a beekeeper who caught my first swarm last night, and uh, people called me and said, hey, you need to get down to some great American, but that's not my story. I uh, oh, That's pretty cool. I was uh, snorkeling in Hanama Bay, and uh, I learned to take frozen peas with me to feed the fish. And I had this huge parrotfish that was eating these peas, and I was feeding to him one at a time. And I thought, well, I'll try Pavlov and I'll see if I'll fake a pea to him and see what he does. Well, I faked the pea to him, and he immediately backed up and then ran forward and just. Bit me right in the knee and drew blood. It's <laughs> oh, a big parrotfish, right? <laughs> Teaches you to mess with the nature, right? So I come in from the surf and I see a I see a lifeguard because there's blood streaming down my leg, and he's like, "What happened?" And I said, "Well, this parrotfish bit me." And he says, uh, "He says it bit you." He said, "He said that doesn't make sense. Parrotfish eat coral." Now I'm a ginger. <laughs> like somebody else on this call.
2: Yeah, exactly. He takes one
4: look at my leg, I'm probably whiter than you because I, uh, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of a different shade of blue. But anyway, he took one look at my knee and he says, after he says uh, they eat coral, he says, "Oh, oh. I'm sorry,
2: sir." <laughs> that explains it. That's funny. Good job, uh, Thank
1: you. Hey, Dominique, how are you? What's your story, man versus beast?
8: Uh, hi, so I actually have been working with exotics for a while, and I do education programs, and I was given a program a while back, and I um, was working with a dwarf caiman, which is a, a small alligator, and I uh, was in the middle of giving a presentation to a classroom full of students, and it just bit right down on my hand in front of 35 students.
0: Oh, wow.
8: So were yeah. so they like,
2: is this part of, the, like, part of the act, part of the experience, and meanwhile <laughs> you are actually in serious pain?
8: Yeah, so he went right through my thumbnail, and I—I uh, oh, was given a presentation on why these are actually not great pets. So I think I really got it across <laughs> that time. So <See>, showed <laughs> you were yeah,
2: committed you. to your, your work and there. Thanks, right, Dominic. You know, showing that they weren't.
1: A you know. buddy Sweet of mine
2: pets. has a parrot.
1: Okay. Yeah. And this is a guy who I lived with a room with for a short period of time when I was working up in Cleveland. Well, parrot did not like me, whatever reason. I mean, he he was, with, yeah. with the, you, know, with, you know, with the guy who owned him, oh, I mean, he would kiss him and uh, blah, 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 and sit on his shoulder and all that stuff, you know. So one one night, perhaps we'd been into the whiskey a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was trying, to, I'm going to make friends with this damn bird if it kills me. And, you know, it's Cleveland in the wintertime, so I'm, my lips are all chapped. And, I mean, that's key to the story because my lips were just a mess. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, hey, birdie, uh, you know, talking to him. And I'm feeding him a little seed and whatnot. And I go, he goes, well, I want see if he'll kiss you. And uh, so I go, all right, come on, birdie. Or whatever, give, give me a kiss. So the bird just kind of looks at me and goes, gah, and hooks oh, his beak God. through my chapped lip, my uh, lower it hurt lip. It,
2: yeah.
1: And now I'm telling you, that did not feel the but least what, bit what good. What were you thinking,
2: though? Other than a million years, I would see their like, pointy beaks like that. That was a whiskey talking, son. <laughs> I'm not saying it was hey, smart. I'm, you. <laughs> I'm
1: not saying it was smart, but that's what happened. <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, what's going on with you, buddy? Man versus Beast.
5: Hey there. I worked at uh, Kings Island a long time ago when Top Gun was new, the roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, one day we had some people coming off trains, kind of swatting their hands a little and kind of holding their faces. And said, What's going on? And Another train comes in. and The people getting off kind of looking kind of funny. And what's up? Another one comes in. And people look a little more anxious and crazy. And finally, one of my employees looks out to the side. And says, I think it's a bunch of bees out there. And we, we looked at the next train coming in. They kind of come into that little break spot where they all slam into the brakes and stop. And as soon as it stopped, about 10 people were just flailing their arms freaking out because a giant swarm of bees planted itself right on a tree right next to the track on the big hill. Oh, and man. And yeah. people were turning their faces into the windshield of a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was. I don't think anybody got stung, but there were a bunch of welts on people's foreheads and things. But bad, uh, yeah. the great part is the maintenance guys came. Some guy threw a ladder against the tree, went up 15 feet with about six cans of raid, and just took care of business. Right. They, they didn't care at all. They just went to town on it, wow. which is bad. I, very bad, I know because they should have gotten a beekeeper, but, well, but you uh, know, know. This, this is 1993
2: or something. I was going right. to say, back in knew that there's a shortage of bees and all that. Yeah.
1: Hey, Tim, what's going on there, buddy? Man versus beast, what do you have?
6: Eddie Sticky Fingers and Rocky Big Boy Man. How are you? What's Good, up, brother, kid? What's up? I got one for you. Uh-huh. Me and I was a teenager. Me and my dad was cleaning out the corn crib, getting the last bit of corn out, and the rats were running everywhere. One of them went right up my dad's pant leg <laughs> of his bib overalls. He grabs it right when it got about uh, behind his knee and starts squeezing, and he choked that rat to death, and it <sighs> fell out. And I looked at Dad. I said, if it would run up my pants leg, I wouldn't have had to choke it because it would have drowned.
8: <laughs>
1: Jeez. Uh, thanks, buddy.
8: <laughs> oh,
1: Lord. Hey, Chris in Westchester. How are you, buddy? Thanks for holding. What do how you, are you have?
9: Doing? How are you doing, gentlemen? Good, buddy. good. Okay, I gotta set the scene here. Diesel truck mechanic, six foot five, three hundred plus pounds, big dude. Okay, I saw him turn into a quivering ball of flesh over a one-inch field mouse that probably weighed two grams. Two oh, grams. Okay. I'm coming into work. Everybody's running around the garage. I'm like, what's going on? It's, you know, oh, they're, they're trying to catch this mouth. I see our biggest mechanic. This guy's huge. He's up on a chair. I'm like, was there a snake or a rattlesnake or something in here? Because you know, we have snakes in Ohio. He's like, oh, no, it's a mouse. I hate mice. I'm like, what? A mouse? So I see it. It runs into a little pipe. I pick it up. I grab the pipe. I put my hands on both ends. I lift up the pipe. I drop the mouse into my hand. It's in my left hand. It's a little tiny. It's a baby field mouse. I said, "Really, this is what you're afraid?" And he is screaming like a banshee oh to God. get this thing away from him. And it's no—it's it, maybe a, a quarter of the size of my thumb. It is the tiniest little thing you've ever cute, cute as hell. I mean, could have been in a Disney movie. Probably was in Disney movies. It was so cute, and it turned this big giant man into the—I mean, just a screaming, crying little girl. It was amazing. That is never funny. seen anything like that before. That's, That's funny, man.
1: Hey, how about you, Rich? Thanks for holding, buddy. You're on with that, and Rock, what do you have?
6: Hey, good to talk. Hey, I, I called you guys a while back and told you a story about when I put a deer in a headlock. That's my good animal story, but I've got a bee story, too. <laughs> I do remember when you remember the deer yeah, in a headlock? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a long story. But Anyhow, this story, when I was about 10 years old, I was with my brother up at Alt Park, and we were throwing rocks at these wasps up and they were up in the, in the bathroom in the corner of the roof there, and we were having fun, and all of a sudden these things started attacking us. You know, well, my mom had always taught me that when a bee came around, you just freeze, you stop. You know, well, she didn't say you don't throw rocks at them first. You know, so I just freeze, and man, I got it all over. I think I got bit twelve times by these wasps. It was oh fun.
2: man, <laughs> a times by wasps is no fun, man. Yeah. But
6: I learned my lesson. Yeah. You know, if you're throwing rocks at them, you run. Don't
1: freeze. <laughs> no, I was gonna say that's probably good uh, lesson to uh, it's learn. It's funny,
2: like bears, you're supposed to like freeze, right, and not do anything. Bees, wasps. See, should. people always say that to
1: play dead. I find it, I I would find it real tough to just lay there while a bear's you're like on your head, paw, pawing yeah. at me and licking me yeah. or something. I mean, good lord. Hey, what's going on with you, Tim? Thanks for holding. your own with Ed and Rock.
4: Yes. A friend of mine, Dan, and I were hiking last week on the Appalachian Trail in New York, and we stayed in a, in a shelter, and we got our, our food down. We're packing up, and the guy in the shelter with us was going out to get his food, and we heard him yelling, get away, get off of it. We come around, and here's Bear up in the tree uh, trying to get his food. About 10 minutes later, he finally got it down and took running off with, with six days' worth of food. Oh, oh, six man. days
2: worth of food while you're hiking. That's not a good uh, scenario. That ain't there, good. So. No.
4: No, no. So we gave him uh, a day's worth of food from our stuff so he could get into another town.
2: Yeah, uh, really? You're yeah. kind of caught out that there. Thanks, things, man. Yeah, that
5: Golly. Was
4: nice.
1: Hey, Bob. Thanks for holding, buddy. Your man versus beast story.
6: Yeah. Me and my wife, her brother, and his girlfriend were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, had a cabin up on top of the hill. Middle of the night, the women hear a noise outside, me and them sound asleep. They go out and hear it's a bear trying to get in the garbage, which they got in the little sheds out there. Mm-hmm. They're out there throwing bananas at the bear trying to scare it away.
2: <laughs> <Bananas at> the...
6: <laughs> we get up next morning, bear done ripped the door off for the, where to keep the garbage. Me and him were cracking up laughing. But here yeah, they tell us they were throwing bananas at it.
2: <laughs> <That's laughs> cool. Doc, just throw steaks at it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Bear,
4: you just get yeah. out of here. I'm
1: throwing hot dogs at you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We're checking in with Robbie. What do you got, Butter? Just throwing me a banana. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) From the UC Health.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lop.